0: everyone, you're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastor's Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. Well, today I'm beginning a brand new series called The Classroom. I don't want to freak anybody out by seeing those number two pencils and the. It's a Scantron, right? Yes, yeah, scary. Breaks me out in a cold sweat. We are going to talk about the classroom as it relates to the only thing that Jesus ever built, which is the church. We're going to talk about the church. Our church is called Fellowship Church. That's the name, Fellowship. Where did we get that name? Did we get it because we thought it sounded cool? No. The Bible says the church is a fellowship. So it's something that a church is, and also it's something a church Does I want to talk to you today about 10 things, but I'll only hit five of them. The other five are next week. 10 things, 10 unique principles that make fellowship unique. Every church is unique. Just like all of us, we're definitely unique. I don't know if you realize that or not, but God loves diversity. If you didn't realize that, just look around. We're all different. We're all one of a kind. Fellowship Church is a unique church. I believe we're the greatest church in the Western Hemisphere, I'm just partial. Obviously, you think I would say that, and I know many of you think that as well. There's a lot of great churches out there, but what makes Fellowship Church Fellowship Church? Here's the church. There's the steeple. Open the doors and see all the people. I learned that as a kid, and I used my digits, my fingers, to do that little church and steeple and the people. We're gonna talk about 10 things that make a difference. You have your outlines and I'm gonna go through and then you're gonna fill the blanks in. Hopefully I'm not gonna miss any blanks if I do. Well, I'll just miss them and hopefully you can watch it online and fill all the ones in that I missed, but the first thing I wanna talk to you about in fellowship, fellowship begins with the letter F. We're focused, we're focused missionally. We're focused missionally. The mission of Fellowship Church is not something that we just grabbed out of the air. It's not something that we thought, okay, culturally, let's do what the culture wants, or historically, let's try to follow in the footsteps of the early church fathers, or let's just do something that we think is really relevant. No, the Bible tells us the purposes of the church, and the purpose of Fellowship Church, our mission is built around two Key scripture verses. The great commandment and the great commission. Say that with me. The great commandment and the great commission. Well, what's the great commandment? One day they asked Jesus, okay, what's the net effect of everything you're talking about? Here's the great commandment Matthew 22, 37 through 39. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. What's the mission of Fellowship Church? We exist to reach up. That's expressing love to God. That's loving God and loving others. Everything I do, say, touch, and feel should be an act of worship. I exist, we exist, Fellowship Church is here, to reach up. That's expressing love to God. So I don't come to church to worship. If I'm a follower of Christ, I come worshiping. How I treat my spouse, if you're married, is an act of worship. How I parent, well, it's an act of worship. How I play on the football field, an act of worship how I act around the gym or on the golf course or whatever. At the hunting lease, it's an act of worship. Everything I do should be an act of worship. I'm expressing love to God. So at Fellowship Church, we exist to reach up. We also exist to reach out. Reaching out is communicating Christ with others. Reaching out. We're commanded to reach out. Now the next verse I'm going to read to you is called the Great Commission. It's not the great omission. It's the great commission. Jesus said this, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. The word go is as you're going. I always say get your ass in gear, that's A-S. As you're living your life, as you're doing what you do. Therefore go and make disciples. What's a disciple? A disciple is a full court follower of Christ. It's someone who have a personal relationship with Christ and they're growing and developing and maturing in that relationship. So he said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. First of all, I have a personal relationship with God. I'm a disciple. Following that decision, I'm baptized. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them, that's discipleship, right, to obey, everything. The key to the Christian life is obedience, it's, it's, it's commitment, right? And teach them to obey, Jesus said, everything I've commanded you and I'm with you always. So at Fellowship Church, we exist to reach up. That's broken down in Matthew 22, the great commandment. We also exist to reach out. That's connecting Christ, communicating Christ with others. That is the great commission. Go and make disciples. Don't just sit there. Don't just say, yo, go. Make disciples. Baptize them. Teach them. That's reaching in. We exist to reach up. We exist to reach out. We exist to reach in. Reaching in is developing our relationship with Christ. We're in the disciple-making business at fellowship. A disciple Once again, is someone who has opened the lid of their heart up to Jesus. They've asked him to take control of their lives. They've received the mercy and the grace. They've received the gospel. What's the gospel? Let's say it together, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Let's say it again. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. They've received the gospel, then they're living out the implications. They're maturing in their faith. They're growing up. We're born again. We're babes in Christ, using this, this birth metaphor. Then we grow and mature. We move through immaturity, and we move to maturity. That's what Fellowship Church is all about. So here's the phrase that pays. Are you ready for this? I know you're ready. It's in a little box. A great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will grow a great church. Yeah, that's right. Come on. Let me do it again. Sound effect, mine. The great commitment, a great commitment to the great commandment. Loving God, right? And the great commission, going, making disciples, baptizing, obeying. A great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will grow a great church. That's what fellowship is about. We're a Bible-based, Bible-centric church. E stands for engage, we engage creatively. We engage creatively. In Genesis chapter one, verse one, fifth word of the Bible, in the beginning, God, say it with me, created. created, right, created. The church should be, I believe this, I've written about this, spoken about this in a lot of places, the church should be the most creative entity in the universe. Creativity is the core of who God is. If you ever go to church and are bored, don't blame God, blame the leaders of the church. Because the church should be a life giving, life application, life applicating, it should be a, a changing, it should be a, a dynamic entity. And if you ever go and you're not engaged with that, with the life application, what you should do, not just in the service, but in between services, then I believe you're not going to a fully obedient New Testament church. It's about life application, so we should engage creatively. Matthew 13, 34, Jesus said, they were talking about him. He spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He didn't say anything to them without using a parable. It's a parable, a story, an illustration. He was the the, the master of the word picture, of the phrase, of the question. Look at Jesus' teaching. He used different methodologies to connect with different audiences, but he used the same and always talked about the same message. And that's what we do here at Fellowship Church. The message is the same. We don't mess around with the message. We don't jack with the message. The message is the revealed word of God. We do, however, use different methodologies to communicate this unchanging book. That's what Jesus did. So basically, people say, well, man, your church seems to be innovative. Your church seems to be creative. I'm like, well, every church should be. We've stood out because of our creativity. In a way, it's sad because every church should be creative. Think about, think about your kids. Kids, when when they're given tests, when these tests test, for example, their creative quotient, most kids, when they're young, they just score off the charts creatively. Yet somewhere along life's journey, we trade in dreaming for dogma. We trade in the artistic for the analytical. We trade in, you could say, our imagination for memorization, and we have this creative cramp. Well, it's time that we discover who we are, whose we are, it's time we discover that we're all creative geniuses, and it's time we discover the church to be the dynamic entity that God wants it to be. So what's the theology of creativity? It's throughout the Bible. You can fill in the blanks. God invented it, it was his idea. He could have made us all the same, right? He didn't. He could have made all churches the same, he didn't. Jesus modeled it. He preached from boat bows and beaches. He drew in the sand. He pointed to a sower scattering seed. He talked about a building that had fallen over. He said, look at this child, pick the child up. You need to enter the kingdom of God like this child. So he was always using these different object lessons, these parables, these stories, because Jesus knew what we're just learning today. Most of us are multi-sensory learners. Oh, wow. God invented it, Jesus modeled it, the Holy Spirit empowers it. It's not like, oh, let me think of another gimmick. Oh, let me, let me do, no, no, no. The Holy Spirit empowers it. And the Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And then this last phrase, I love this last phrase, we do it. We do it. And you might be here and you might be going, well, well, whoa, this is my first time at fellowship. Maybe you're here or maybe you're one of our different environments. You might be going, that's, that's, that's kind of unique. Well, to get a real flavor of fellowship, you can't just be one and done. We change so much the dynamic is so unusual, so unusually great and creative, I believe, you've gotta show up for like three straight times, three or four straight times to get the, 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 the flavor of what we're about. Yet we don't just talk about creativity, we do creativity, and people desperately need creativity. Our God is creative. As we walk in Him, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, we're to imitate Him. That's another verse I just threw in, and, and we should walk in creativity. So here's the phrase that pays maybe a tweet of the day if you're into that sort of thing. At Fellowship Church, we want to be comfortably uncomfortable. Comfortably uncomfortable. We want people to feel comfort here. There's a comfort attending church, no doubt. I feel comfortable at fellowship church. This is my home church. And in fact, if I'm not a member of a local church, there's about 20 some odd things I can't do in scripture. Did you hear that? If I'm not a member of a local church, there's about 20 some odd things I can't do to their fullest unless I'm a member of the church. So I'm comfortable here. We want to be comfortable. These seats are comfortable. You know the seats that, that we design are a little bit wider than most seats. Did you ever, have you ever thought about that? Do you, you realize that even here, the rows have a lot of room in between them for more comfort? We want to be comfortable to people who are asking questions. We want to be comfortable for people who are like, going, man, what's up with this? I'm not sure I even believe that Jesus was the Son of God. We wanna be comfortable for people who are like, have doubts about the scripture, yet, we wanna be uncomfortable. We wanna be comfortably uncomfortable. We're comforted by Christ, but we're uncomfortable for Christ. That's huge. We're a church that gets up in your grill, we're a church that applauds, we're a church that inspires. Also, we wanna challenge you to live the life, because what happens in here should affect what happens out there, and what happens out there should reflect what happens in here. There are different types of churches, and it's important that we understand these these churches. Now, I'm a terrible speller, and if I mess up, just say, you messed up. That, That should have been an R instead of an I or something. One Church that we see would be the institutional church. That's a category, that's right. Institutional, whoo, I get nervous every time I start writing, institutional church. Another one that we see in our world today, especially in America, the intellectual church. The intellectual church, did I spell it right? Amen. (laughs) Amen simply means so let it be. Yeah, whew. Now, this one is gonna be the emotional church, all right? These are different streams, different vibes of churches. They all have their strengths, yet they all have their weaknesses. The traditional church, the institutional church, the denominational church, Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, so on and so forth. They pretty much perpetuate programs. Even if the programs aren't working, even if the horse died like two decades ago, they're still riding that horse. The institutional church. And they do a really good job a really good job, of tradition. Tradition. They, they, they perpetuate programs. Usually they're into scripture, the Bible, you know. They're into missions and programs. The institutional church. Well, one of the drawbacks of the institutional church is they're so locked into the past, they end up putting tradition on the same level as the Bible. For example, I wish we could sing and, 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 and still grasp the great hymns of the church. I love the great hymns of the church. I grew up on the great hymns of the church. Did you realize, if you study church history, that most of the great hymns of the church were barroom tunes? and they simply put Christian lyrics to these tunes. So all these great hymns of the church, so many of them that we think are so holy, so righteous, so pure, were really perpetuated in pubs around the world where people were drunk off their rear. And, and some creative people just put some Christian lyrics to them. I'm sorry to rain on your traditional parade. At fellowship, though, we've learned a lot from institutional churches. I'm not I'm not hating on them at all. We want to, though, refine and define tradition. When we talk about baptism, I and mean, that's not tradition, that's Bible stuff. We explain baptism. Why are we baptized? What does it mean to get baptized? Whatever. When we talk about communion or the Lord's Supper, we'll discuss that. Or you saw earlier in the service, Derek talked about raising of the hands. You don't have to raise your hands here. Some people feel comfortable doing that. Others don't. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. Why do we do it? It's an act of surrender. You can't say, though, oh, this person's doing this, and they're a better worshiper than someone who's is like this. How do you know? You don't know the heart. We refine that and define that, and I believe we do an amazing job at breaking it down and explaining that. So we've tried to take the best from the institutional churches. The intellectual churches would focus on head knowledge. They do, they do a really good job of, of teaching Scripture, yet many of these intellectual churches these days, and this is nothing new, but the young people think it's new, they are reformed in their theology. You might be going, what is that? They're very Calvinistic, five-point Calvinist, Reformed theology. Reformed theology is very sexy these days for the young people because it's all about head knowledge, head knowledge, head knowledge, head knowledge, head knowledge, head knowledge. A Reformed theologian says, well, God is sovereign, so basically at the end of the day, those who are elect are going to heaven. Those who aren't, They're going to hell. So really, why should I be that hot and bothered about sharing Jesus with my hell-bound neighbor? Really, what's the point? I'll just puff myself up with all of this knowledge. And they spend so much time explaining the gospel, they never proclaim the gospel. Somewhere within the sovereignty of God is the fact that we have a freedom of choice. The good side of this is they're Bible people. The downside is they don't reach anyone and they're some of the meanest people I know. They're like the modern day Pharisees, generally speaking. Rarely will you find someone who's a reformed theologian who is evangelistic, rarely. There's a church. America has thousands and thousands and thousands of people and they've simply reached biological Christians in this particular church they baptized last year 147 people see the intellectual reformed churches are very very sexy for the young people because they're very meistic and let's face it, young people, when you're in your late teens, early 20s, it's all about me, 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 me. I can go to these churches and get puffed up with knowledge. And, and But information without application is an abomination. So so the good side is they do a good job of Bible teaching. The downside is you've got some serious pride and a whole vibe of being highly condescending. If you ever go online, 99% of all negative Christian blogs, tweets are from this vein. Also, we have the emotional. That would be the, the 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 church that that is all about the heart. They they tend to put the heart over over the head. In other words, this group can become so rational that they miss emotion. This group is so emotional that if I don't feel it. It must not be real. So we better have a pep rally every weekend. So let's start off soft and then at the end we'll go, (laughs) everybody's dancing. People are falling out and everybody's screaming. (laughs) And I've, I've heard a lot of those speakers and I've spoken at all those different types of churches and I learned from that But so often, I would leave after crying and running around and go, what am I supposed to do? They didn't tell me that. Well, you've not worshiped unless you've sweated. You've not worshiped unless you've cried. That's not true. I think we do a great job at Fellowship Church of of engaging the emotions. God has feelings too. No doubt, there's got to be a heart in it, but we can't allow just because we feel something to trump Scripture. People are like, in this camp, people are like, well, God told me. Really? God told you? Well, maybe God told you, but if it doesn't line up with Scripture, you might have had some bad sushi. <laughs> or a bad pizza. God told you, I, yeah, I have this fresh, Revelation, No, God's not, I mean, that, that God doesn't work that way. A fresh revelation. You might have a unique insight into scripture, but it all goes back to scripture. So, these are different streams, generally speaking, of churches, and they're represented here, in Dallas-Fort Worth, they're represented all over America, specifically. At Fellowship, we've tried to do this. You know what this is? It's a fish. We try to eat the fish and (laughs) spit out the bones. I think, just think about this worship service today. I mean, I've got two pieces of chalk now. (laughs) We've done some traditional stuff. Some of the songs, some of the words, some of the prayers, traditional. We've redefined them and defined them where everyone can understand them. How stupid would I be to get into just the nomenclature that I understand, the verbiage I understand, and talk over your head? I'd be stupid. You invite me over to your house, and all of a sudden you launch into some inside humor or some family story I know nothing about. You're stupid. (laughs) We're not stupid at the church. We bring everybody up to context. But we are gonna use words sometimes that everyone might not understand. And that should challenge you to go, and define them and understand them. Intellectually, hopefully we have engaged you intellectually in this service. I, I, I think you're learning something right now that probably you've never even thought about when you've read a certain book or driven by a certain church, or you're like, oh, really, okay, huh, that's interesting. Emotions, wow, I think we do an awesome job at that, and at the end of this service, We're going to have a very emotional time. In fact, last night, I don't know what God's going to do, but it was highly, highly emotional. Fellowship Church is a life application church. We've synthesized the good, the bad, and the ugly from those, and I'll put life application. Are we the perfect church? No. I tell people all the time, if you're looking for the perfect church, don't join it because you'll screw it up. (laughs) L, love radically. Love radically. Mark chapter two, verse 17. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy you need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. If we believe Jesus, which we do, look at the beginning of his ministry. When he began his ministry, he said, followers fish. He didn't say, well, you know, it's about the elect. And you know, the people who are elect are gonna go to heaven. And the people who aren't, they're going to hell. So let's just, let's just grow deeper and teach the elect all of this junk and, and all of this stuff, and let's just puff them up. No, he didn't say that. What did he say? Go. He said, engage the sick. Engage the sinners. Within all of it, there is a freedom of choice. I've been married to my wife for 32 years. No one forces me to love Lisa. It's a choice that I make, a choice followed by implications, and I didn't realize the implications. I really didn't realize them 32 years ago, and I'm realizing them more and more. Those of us who were married understand that, right? So so God loves us, and God commands us to share the love. Jesus commanded when he began his ministry to share the love. Then right before he ascended to the Father, he said, not yo, go. Go, reach up, reach out, reach in. And here's what I say about this. You know, I just keep on nominating them, and God keeps on electing them. And it's about, thank you, you you'll get that later. It's about love. Well, here's what love is about. Love's about God. God saw this chasm between mankind and himself, and he did something about it. He stepped through time and space and did something about it. It's about love. I want to share with you the gospel. The gospel is not complex. All these people, some of these people, try to complicate the gospel. The gospel is not complex. I had you repeat it earlier. It's the what? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. People writing about the 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 gospel-centered marriage. What? The gospel-centered family. What? You're going to complicate the gospel, and that means you're deep. No, that means you're you're muddy. I want to be clear, the gospel is the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus. Obviously, it's the basis, the foundation for everything we do, but it's not it's it's not complex. Here's the gospel. Three lines. Number 1, God's love from above. God's love from above. And young people, listen to me because you are going to be tempted to stray into this self-centered, meistic mentality here. And also, this self-centered, meistic mentality in the emotional realm. That's where so many young people go, because you're immature, because it's about you, and these streams kind of you know, perpetuate that. Also, too, the institutional thing, many times, is about, it's, about, it's about me. So, so at Fellowship Church, again, we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's not about me, it's about thee. It's reaching up, I get outside of myself. It's reaching out, and when I do those two things, then I reach in. God's love from above. We're the object of God's love. That's the first thing. Jeremiah 31.3, I've loved you with an everlasting love. But here's God's solution to my pollution. I've messed up. I've fallen. I've fumbled the ball. So have you. What did God do? God has a solution to our pollution. What's the solution? John 14.6, Jesus said, I am one of the options, one of the ways. No. He said, no. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's a very, very controversial verse. You will not see that verse on coffee mugs or T-shirts because it talks about the exclusivity of Jesus Christ. You mean, wait a minute, Ed, you mean, you mean Jesus is the only way? That's what the Bible says. What about the person in Nicaragua who's never heard? We gotta trust God. But what are you doing with what Jesus has revealed to you? That's the issue. Don't try to turn the issue into someone in Nicaragua. How about you, my brother? How about you? So, God's love from above, God's solution for our pollution, and I'm glad about that, aren't you? And then God's call for our all. It's my call, it's your call. I have a decision within this process. God is sovereign, he's in charge, he knows it all, we understand that, but within that, we're not robots. We have a freedom of choice. Have you made this decision? Have you made this call? The Bible says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he rose from the dead, you'll be saved. Are you saved? Have you been rescued? I don't know. Have you made that decision? You can make that decision right now. How do you do it? Just by saying these words with me. Everybody say it with me after me. You don't have to bow your head or close your eyes. If you say this and believe it to the best of your ability, you're rescued. And many of you are drowning because you've been trying to live your life on poor flotation devices, possessions, or pleasure, or pride, and it's like, the life ring is Jesus. And you can receive him right now by saying this. Just say it with me. Dear God, God, I'm a sinner. sinner. I need a Savior. I turn from my sins sins. and turn to you. you. I I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, sins. and rose again. again. And right now, now, even even though I'm in Afghanistan, Afghanistan, I give my life to you. I I receive the gospel. The The simplicity of the gospel and the significance of the gospel gospel. Reveal reveal to me this amazing plan. Thank you for rescuing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening, and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional.